Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Shalom! <laughs> I was why are you laughing so I don't know why I laughed hard. that hard. Oh, God. Guys, we have something to tell you. <laughs> well, we have a story to tell. So, Meet and I recorded this episode for Gentleman's Agreement on, what was the day? It was like last Wednesday. It was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. So, whatever that was, uh, October 5th, Meet and I recorded, watched it, had a great conversation, pretty good episode. And uh, put it away. And uh, I opened my computer to edit it yesterday and cannot find my version of the recording. Just cannot find my voice anywhere on my computer. Just gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's uh, just completely missing. And I have no idea where it went. And so here we are. <laughs> re-recording to preface that though let let, i do think that this is fate intervening because we recorded our episode on wednesday and as i went to save my file it was like oh shit it didn't really go so well for you audacity literally have the audacity to have like my recording skipping like every two seconds and i listened back and it was really bad like you would have had to done a ton of editing so i think this is fate Maybe a blessing in disguise. And like, this is the first of 126 episodes that we have had this kind of issue. I'm sure there are many podcasts that never have this issue, but that's, you know, unfortunately, for whatever reason, we had some bad luck with Gentleman's Agreement. And so here we are. So a couple of provisors, because Mita and I have talked about the things. We know how we feel about the movie. We actually know what we're going to say for small talk. Nothing in this episode really is a mystery to either of us. We're going to redo our game for the end. So Mita doesn't know what movie that is. But other than that, everything has kind of been there, done that. Yeah, for us. For us. Because in case you didn't know, when we like get into a conversation about the movie, it's fresh. Like we haven't discussed it once with each other. Yeah, we're very so, cognizant not to say anything. Even yeah, when we watch a- them together, like in, in, my, in my theater, we don't talk about them at all. Mm-mm. So, in fact, I will when we're in the theater, I will pick other movies that are like in his collection and be like, "What do you think about yeah, this?" Absolutely, just so we can talk about something afterwards. The movie will, yeah, and like me, that I always have conversation, but we purposely keep the conversation about the movie for the recording, so it's fresh and spontaneous and authentic. And this episode will be none of those things for us. Yeah, now it feels like we're we're married for like ten years. Yeah, and we're just <laughs> kind of faking it. So we wanted to be upfront with you guys because. The episode's not going to be as in-depth. It's not going to be as long just because it's going to be hard to kind of like talk about, recreate that magic that comes with the first conversation. But we are still going to do our small talk portion. We're still going to review the movie and we're still going to play our game. It'll all just probably be a little bit shorter than it Mm -hmm. usually is. So how's it going, Mitha? (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually better today. I feel like I said I'm I'm present on Wednesday. I feel very invigorated today. You actually said living and breathing last Wednesday. I said living and breathing? Okay, yes. I feel invigorated. I'm full of vim and vigor. Why is that? 
It's spooky season yeah. theme, and it's Thanksgiving. It's yeah. um Sunday, October 9th here while we're recording, yeah. and so it's Thanksgiving weekend in Canada, and it's just nice to be around family and to have good food and conversation, mm-hmm. and spooky season's in full swing, and yeah. I literally just came from the movie theater. Mm-hmm. I have so much to talk about, so yeah. That's why. Yes, so why don't you start, because you're already there. Okay, so yeah. I, yeah, last week would have been the first time that I talked about it, yeah. You talked so, about it last week, <laughs> but now you've started doing it. Exactly. So if you've been paying attention to Instagram, you'll see that I am watching 31 movies for the month of October to bring awareness to Halloween because it is a forgotten holiday on our podcast. It's going to be like maybe in general too. Who. <laughs> on our podcast, because typically in October, I would force Nadim to... To pick movies that are like scary oriented. Um, And so I was going to miss that in my life. And I was like, no, I can't have that. So I made a list of 31 films to watch. And each and every day I have been watching a scary movie. It is now Sunday, October 9th. I have watched nine movies. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of myself. Usually by this point, I would have like skipped a night by accident or something. But I've been very concentrated on accomplishing this goal. And I've been doing it. Would you like to hear what I've seen so far? So you're going to give me... <laughs> I know you have a, sh- a short I'm not going to do big explanations. I'll give you little short... Tweets. Short and sweets. Yeah, tweets. Tweets and ratings of each movie. Since how I first. felt about them. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let me just pull out the list so I don't... Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Go. So for the first night, I watched Hocus Pocus. What is there to say about Hocus Pocus that hasn't been said before? It's childhood nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's sweet. It's uh, it's Bette Midler. What more can you ask for? Then on the second, I watched Hocus Pocus 2. I didn't love it. Like, it's not for a 31-year-old woman. But I could see kids today, like, actually liking it. But what I didn't like is how they try to, like, give you rhyme and reason towards why the Sanderson sisters are the way they are. And, like, I feel like they really copped out there and they did not need to do that. The third night, I watched Blair Witch Project. I should have watched that in 1999. I don't think it's meant, <laughs> not meant for me today. But I think if I had watched it in 1999, one, I was eight years old. So like, yeah. I really would have been spooked out. But I think the whole lore behind it and sort of the like, is it real? Is it not real? That would have been really cool to have experienced in that time. So I think I would have liked it a lot more then. Then on the fourth night, I watched The Babadook and I cried because <laughs> it was quite emotional for me. Yeah. I, 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 I wasn't expecting that. I, I thought it was supposed to be like a scary movie. I didn't think it was going to be as smart as it was and what it was telling. I don't think I was scared so much as emotionally I was kind of like wrecked. I felt like the first time I watched Hereditary, that's kind of what it like felt like. For oh, me. Wow, okay. Yes. On the fifth night, I watched It. It. It was nice. <laughs> it was, I, I think personally, I'm just a little tired of the like Stephen King 80s Vibe, style yeah. TV shows and movies. For like sure. I, I think there was a time and a place for it and now that has passed. Mm-hmm. And so I think, when did that come out? Like 2015 or something? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it made sense then. Stranger Things was like a huge yeah, thing around that absolutely. time. Like I'm sure it was really appealing. But for now, I was like, no, not really necessary. I thought it started off really well. I was interested. I was like, whoa, Pennywise is kind of freaky. And then it kind of teeters off because it focuses a lot on the kids. And I just wasn't yeah. into it. Um, Two not questions into about it. that, actually. Yeah. Did you ever see the made-for-TV version that came out in like the 90s? 
No. That shit as a child was the scariest thing Terrifying. in the world. And then I watched it as an adult and I was just like, wow, this is bad. <laughs> Second, have you ever seen the SNL sketch of Kate McKinnon playing Kellyanne Conway as Pennywise? No. Please look it up. Okay. That sounds genius. Yeah. Okay, sixth night. I watched The Conjuring. Mm, conjured. Patrick Wilson is so hot. <laughs> I find him kind of bland in this. He's quite attractive in Little Children, though. He's just, he just is nice to look at. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I liked the most about the movie, okay. was Patrick Wilson. Yeah. It was, it was okay. I, I had, I thought I had heard that this was like so good and people loved it. Like, I thought there was so much hype with it. And I was like, okay, like, it's fine. But that, around sixth night, I was like, ooh, like, am I numb to horror? Like, do I just not get it anymore? Like, do I not get scared? Am I so numb that I can't? You're a little jaded for sure. Yeah. Secondly, I think that horror movie specifically, I remember when it came out and I actually saw it in theater and not that I was scared of it, but there was a time where horror movies were awful. Like early, (laughs) they were really bad. Like there was Mm the 90s and early 2000s where they were just not good. They were all slashers and they were just dumb and everything was an exorcism of like Emily Blunt or like whatever they were. They were just all so boring and The Conjuring felt fresh at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think retrospectively, it's probably just like, okay. Yeah. But at the time, it did feel fresh. Not necessarily scary. Not so much today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Seventh night. One weekend, I watched Stree, which is a Bollywood film. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting it to be a comedy. I thought it was yeah. like a horror film. So that kind of threw me off. I think there are some nice ideas there. I didn't love it, but I, uh, it was entertaining. I will say that. And I think there's some interesting concepts there in terms of like women as the... Three means woman in Hindi. Yes. Three means woman. And the next night... Yeah, yeah exactly. Ironically, that's exactly... <laughs> yes. Yeah. So three means woman. And the next night I watched men. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah. I don't even know, like, I can't, I don't even think I wrap my mind around how I feel about it. Like, I think it was quite pretentious. Mm. (laughs) Um, And it really wants to be something. But I admire it for, like, doing something different. But I feel like it was really unnecessary. (laughs) And I don't think their point comes across. Like, it's really, it was a hard concept for me to grasp. The, The idea that all men are bad? Not no, the the last 20 minutes. Oh my god, I don't even... By that point, I had checked out so much, though. Like, and then the 20 minutes unravels, and I'm like, all right, here I we are. I don't even think it's all men are bad. I think it's just her coping with her trauma. I didn't see it as, like, every man. It's... Because you aren't... You're introduced to different people, but they look the same. So I think for her, because she's going through that trauma, she's obviously going to feel that way. Anyways, we can talk about that another time. We, we don't can have talk about that, day. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then right now, tonight, this afternoon, I saw Barbarian yep. in the theater. Yep. Nadim, you've seen Barbarian recently, too. Well, because last week when we had this recording, I had told you I had seen Barbarian and I urged you to go see it. Mm-hmm. And what were... And I did. We could talk about this at a little bit more in depth. Because okay, I why don't you go you through yours it. and then we'll oh, meet at Barbarian. Oh, I like that. Okay, okay, so last week when we recorded, I had seen a slew of films. Mm-hmm. And I actually think I forgot one of them, but I wrote down the ones that I did see, the ones that I remembered, and the, the two others that I did see in between, and we okay. can talk about them. I watched Blonde. Yep. <laughs> and I had many thoughts 
about Blonde. And I th- maybe I can say this a little bit more succinctly now because it was so fresh at the time. I think it's an unnecessary film, to, to point blank. It's mm-hmm. punishing. It's a three-hour fictional biography of a woman who did have a, go through some trauma, but the movie portrays it that she had not an ounce of light in her life. It's, hmm. again, punishing. It's hard to watch. It's very graphic sexually. It's just, and I'm not like a squeamish person. It's just too much. It's all too much over and over again. It's just not interesting. Anna Dharmas is great. She really is, except that girl needs to learn to get rid of that accent. It's <laughs> yep. so prevalent, man. It's like so prevalent. Like, her performance is great, but you talk about Nicole Kidman, you will watch this and be so annoyed with Anna Dharmas. I also she, don't, I don't understand her choices right now. I mean, I get why you would want to do this, though. I totally yeah. get it. But I do think, and I said last week, I'm glad it's based on a book written by a woman, because otherwise this thing seems completely misogynistic. Because it is directed mm. by a man who has apparently said some very choice things about Marilyn Monroe in the past. And... Yeah, so I don't think I don't think you need to spend your time watching this. It's not great. It's a good performance. It's a punishing film, and we really don't need that. Especially because if you're going to watch something that's a little bit more emotionally heavy, you could watch other things. Hmm. Last night I watched... I'm doing this from least liked to most liked of the things I've seen. Okay. Last night I watched The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. Okay, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah, okay, not bad. Interesting concept, kind of... All over the place. Ethan Hawke makes a good villain. Some interesting concepts. A little overlong. Mm. If you have the time. I rented it. Don't rent it. Wait for it to come on some streaming service. Yeah, that's about Sounds it. Sounds good. <laughs> I also watched Good Luck Leo Grand with Emma Thompson. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. The prostitute? Yeah, with the prostitute. Okay. Nice in theory. A little slow for a movie that is an hour and a half. And yeah... A I made a face. <laughs> yeah, me the made a face. There, it's an hour and a half, and it just, it, it kind of, it's a one-trick pony. Like, it has a great log line, but can't really, like, execute it. And it has some very mm. nice things to say about, you know, women's sexuality in particular, and what that means, and what that looks like, especially as you age, which is nice. And there are probably, it's pro- this movie will probably connect with women, especially older women who, you know, experience these things. But great performance, decent watch. Then I saw X mm-hmm. by Ty West. Yep. And Martin Scorsese's favorite. I don't understand director. why. I liked X. It was nice. It was a, I wouldn't say a fun film, but it wasn't not fun. And it wasn't, it was an interesting film. And I think you mentioned this last week that the X is getting a lot of attention because of Pearl. So I think yeah. once you've seen X, you should watch Pearl. Okay. And I will watch Pearl, but I'm in no rush to do it either. Gotcha. It was okay. I think you can wait on the whole experience. Mm. I then also saw Bros, which I liked. Yeah. And I would recommend. And I think it's really unfortunate that the movie's not going to do well just because it's a gay romantic comedy. It does have a lot to say about being gay and about the gay community. And I can appreciate how to people in that community, it's really important to talk about a lot of these things. But, and how someone not in the community would be kind of you know, I was watching it. I was just like, okay, we're going kind of long on this. But at the same time, it is important. But yeah. it's endearing. It's well acted. It's 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 nice. And when a romantic comedy kind of hits nice, it's always, it feels good. 
Yeah. I'd say it's by the director who did uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I actually think I like this more. I was never a huge fan of Sarah Marshall. But at the time, Sarah Marshall was huge. You don't like those people, though. Like Jason like you don't Siegel like Jason Sudeikis. I almost said Sudeikis. It's Jason Siegel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like Russell actually. Brand. Russell, I don't like Russell Brand. I don't like Russell, Russell Brand. But I did like this. And I would recommend seeing Bros. And then I saw Barbarian. Yep. Yep. So did I. <laughs> so, and I, I said, I actually said very little about Barbarian at the time. Mm-hmm. Because I said, Mita, just go watch it. Go watch it on a big screen and go watch it before it's ruined for you. And I said, it's a, and I said, I remember, it's a simple script executed incredibly well. So now I want your thoughts. It's a simple script executed <laughs> incredibly well. I haven't yeah. felt like this jazz, like jazzed about yeah. a movie in like a really long time, especially like seeing it in yeah. the theater. It it is an experience. So like if you're gonna watch it, watch it in a theater mm-hmm. or a theater like room. I don't think you should watch it on your laptop or anything. Also, don't read anything, anything. about it. Like go into it completely blind because yeah. it's it's a thrill. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything because. No. It's just, it's a thrill. I don't know if this is a spoiler. I didn't know Justin Long was in it. Oh, you didn't. I actually did because I saw him in the trailer for like a brief minute. Yeah. So I did know something was forthcoming. But yeah, I I don't think we should say too much. But yeah, I would definitely say, please go watch Barbarian. There's a reason it's getting the hype. Yeah. It's it's pretty, it's exciting. It's exciting. Part of me thinks, though, what is it going to feel like next year if I want to add it to my list? Am I still going to have that same feeling now no, that I've seen it? It's not going it, to. It's definitely not that it's not going to age well. I just don't think it's going to hit the same way, though. Hmm. Because when you know what's coming, it's just impossible for it to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no way that it can it can maintain that sense of excitement. No, but it, that definitely that's so far might been my favorite thing I've watched. Yeah, and all. I can totally see that. Yeah. Are you glad you saw it on big screen? I am glad I, yeah. Were there I think other if I watched there? it at home, it wouldn't have the same effect. It doesn't have, I just don't think it could have the same effect. No. No. Give me one second. I just want to, I feel like I saw something else. Do you remember? It was something I hadn't heard of. Okay. So, <laughs> Mita and I just spent the last 20 minutes. We had to like stop recording. The recording stopped. This is like part two because I watched another movie last week and for the life of me could not remember it. And it was really pissing me off. But then we figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) And it was from 2016 called Hush by Mike Flanagan. There you go. And it was clearly very forgettable. (laughs) I don't know if there could be a more forgettable movie because I literally forgot I watched it like a week ago. You loved it so much. I loved it so much. So dear to your heart. Take with that information what you will. (laughs) But I was also, can I just say that, like, I I almost expected to be more, I knew I didn't like it that much because I remember, like you said, it was Mm -hmm. between Blonde and X, but I couldn't remember it. And I expected to be more, like, excited by the revelation, but I saw that I was, I saw it on my Netflix history and I was just like, oh. (laughs) That's what it was? That's what it was? (laughs) This is disappointing. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, here's the thing. It's time to move on from all of this. <laughs> so, Mitha, what did we watch last week? Oh, my goodness, Nadim. So, last week, we watched the 1947 classic film, Gentleman's Agreement. 
Yes, we did yeah. watch Gentleman's Agreement. I am going to give you all a quick IMDb disco. Mm-hmm. A reporter pretends to be Jewish in order to cover a story on anti-Semitism and personally discovers the true depths of bigotry and hatred. Perfect synopsis. Perfect synopsis for this movie. Succinct. Direct. Succinct. Just like this episode is going to be. Succinct and direct. Yeah. Is it direct? Because we have some... <laughs> I don't know what... And Again, in like the 120 episodes we've recorded, this one is awful. Like, what happened here? Mercury's not in retrograde, act No, two. it isn't. Like, it's out. So I don't know what's happening here. What's happening specifically here. And it's strange because I actually like this. This was... Yeah, this movie was good. Yeah, it was yeah. a good movie. It was an interesting <laughs> film. It was... Not what I expected, especially because I thought that this was a romantic comedy, <laughs> which is still funny because it's not. <laughs> it's, I mean, there is romance in it. There is romance in it, but based on that, t- based on the name and even kind of the poster, I thought it was kind of like, I thought it would be kind of like a, you know, gentleman prefers blondes kind of like a movie. Like a it little, not. like a, <laughs> it was about bigotry and racism and other things and it sucks i will say this because we did have a nice conversation last week about like what this movie represents and it's actually really sucky because it was a great conversation now that it was but it's like it's been two weeks since i've watched it and i've watched a movie every single day since then Yeah. yeah and especially because you did watch such a memorable one today yeah that's like so all i it, want to talk about <laughs> Because it was really good. It was. And I think Gentleman's Agreement is exactly that. It's a really nice film. And it is a really nice film, especially for the time, because it is a movie about... I just... I can't even take the conversation seriously, Mita. Because you're trying to remember what you said. Because I'm trying to remember time. what I said. And I mean, just... okay, here's the thing. I think it is a nice film. My qualm with it was the casting of Gregory Peck in this movie. Because I didn't feel... Like, he has the impact of, like, what we really needed. We needed, like, a, a hero, a strong person to, like, represent. Uh, I was going to say represent anti-Semitism, but he doesn't represent anti-Semitism. Anti-anti-Semitism. Anti-anti-Semitism. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked a little bit about how he's kind of always just going to be Atticus Finch. Atticus Finch, Yeah. Yeah. And But I think that's what you're kind of hitting on, is that, like, he's meant to be kind of this just fellow. Mm. And he is in this, too. He's also so proper. He's so earnest. Yeah, so earnest and so proper. And you kind of needed, I feel like, you did mention this, and retrospectively, I, I agree. You needed someone with a bit of an edge. Yeah, somebody rugged. Like, we didn't want the single dad who has, like, a really nice apartment and takes care of his child yeah. and mother and his high-waisted <laughs> pants like it yeah. just felt very like no i'm into the high-waisted pants <laughs> you can keep them it just felt very it felt almost a little bit too clean yes for something that like is a little dirty especially for like the time that this was coming out this was right after world war ii yeah and so that was that also felt very on the nose about it that it really was like right after world war ii so I think there's probably people in the world that didn't think, probably felt like, oh, World War II is done. So now everyone can live in harmony. So, um, I read, like, some of the reviews in IMDb from, like, um, normal people, not from mm-hmm. critics or yeah. anything. And there was a guy who was like, you know, I thought after World War II that there wouldn't be any anti-Semitism. I thought hope was right and just with the world. So it is kind of, like, revealing that you do need to make a movie like this to show you, like, no, 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 it's still there. We need to do better. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think one of the things I really took away from the film mm-hmm. is the movie really does try to show how anti-Semitic... There is a couple of things. And again, maybe I could say it more succinctly this time. <laughs> I think this is... This movie is still very pertinent to our time because racism and discrimination are such a thing. But his experiment of pretending to be Jewish would only work with him pretending to be Jewish. Because it wouldn't it's work what it, with any other race or religion. I mean, you can't pretend to be a race. Because 30 Rock already tried that experiment and the episode got pulled, even though it is hilarious. But you can't pretend to be another religion because there's so many there's, there's so many other things built into it. Like, for instance, if he was trying to be Muslim, let's say, he would still be a white man who was Muslim. Hmm. And innately, he'd have more preferential treatment than an Arab person or a, a South Asian person who was Muslim. But I do think somebody who's Catholic could try to be Christian. Is there much There's discrimination in the between Catholics and Christians? They don't like each other, from what I understand. But to from this what extent, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From like your bare minimum understanding of <laughs> Catholicism and Christianity. Yeah, maybe. But I do think this is the only way this works. Is because he's just a white man who is not Christian and just saying he's Jewish. And you do see the outwardly, the obvious things that happen. Like when he's rejected at that hotel um, and when his son, for instance, gets bullied. Like there are things. Yeah, exactly. You you do see the effects of what that looks like. But I think what this movie does really well, I think what this movie does really well and what movies nowadays don't even do is show two, there's two characters. There's his girlfriend, Kathy. Kathy, yep. It's been so long. (laughs) There's his girlfriend, Kathy, and there's his secretary, Elaine. Is it Elaine? It is Elaine. Like, Venice, okay. but not. Elaine is actually Jewish, and she ends up having some pretty anti-Semitic thoughts herself. Mm-hmm. And Kathy's journey is actually the most interesting. Because I find what they do with Kathy is show that she's not racist, but she benefits har- she benefits heartily from not being Jewish. And she's not aware of the distinction that while she's not necessarily a part of the problem, she's not a part of the solution either. And I think that's how a lot of people are actually, how they express their racism is extremely subtly. And it's not the way Crash wants you to think it is. It's not people calling people the N-word or, you know, making racial slurs or making racial assumptions. This is kind of it. It's the kind of everyday, the casual racism, the assumptions, the, oh, that's too bad for them, but I don't want to get involved in it. it doesn't affect me. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to get involved in that. And that this movie shows that incredibly well. And the subtlety that goes through their relationship and how it affects them, it really is marvelous. And, and she learns a lesson. Yeah. and But very organically, too. It doesn't feel like a put-upon lesson. My qualm with her, though, was that... They do tie it up really nicely for her in the end. Like, she learns her lesson and she gets her her man in the end. I think the real lesson would have been, like, you lost a relationship because of the way that you think. I think that there is a lot more depth in that than what was actually presented. But I really loved Elaine because Elaine was bigoted towards her own people, which I think is so common. Like, I think Indians are the same way. (laughs) We are terrible to one another. Depending on where you're from. Notably. Um, And I felt like that was the most realistic point of view in this whole movie. And I would have loved to see more Elaine moments. Yeah. I think Elaine was an interesting character. Especially because, yeah, like you're saying, the the notion... And I mean, we all do this. that Like, we make fun of Indian people all the time. For instance, I make fun of Muslim people. You must make fun of Hindu people. And I think 
it comes from a place of love and understanding. Mm-hmm. But I think what the movie is trying to show is that like how how if you're going to belittle yourself, you make it acceptable for other people to do that too. Mm. And it again, it does it very strongly. It's a very succinct film. And we haven't seen many movies that really express racism like this. And I think what I said last week, and this, I, I find that like, this is an interesting experiment because I find sometimes after we have a conversation, that's actually when my thoughts become the clearest. Yeah. Like, it's like I need the conversation to kind of get Map to where I really feel. And I think when people watch something like Crash, I talk about Crash a lot because I effing hate it. I think it's a terrible film. I think it's poorly written, poorly directed, and had no business beating Brokeback Mountain for Brett's picture. But we'll talk about that in 2024. But the reason I bring it up is because it is a movie about racism. Like, that is the core of it. The thesis being racism is bad. Don't be racist to someone because you might be connected to them somehow. <laughs> that's that's literally it. I've told you Crash in, you know, a sentence. But I think people watch Crash and they're like, oh, racism is bad, but that's not me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't say the N-word. I don't discriminate that way. I don't do those things. So this is a nice story, but it doesn't apply to me. It -hmm. really keeps you at arm's length. And it uses that shock value to keep you at arm's length. Mm -hmm. Whereas this kind of invites you in. And it's kind of just like, come along and see how you do this yourself all the time. And I think we are all guilty of doing what Kathy does. Of course. I Definitely. I yeah. am. I think, though, it's interesting though, for this to then win Best Picture in 1947 and now in 2022. We have the same issues going on in the world with different races, but what's still going on at that time as well. Like, no doubt about that. Yeah. But it's just, for me, after we had our conversation, I kind of felt sad. Like, how bad is oh. it that 75 years later and we still have all these problems and like there hasn't actually been a solution to anything and if you were going to make this movie today you would need to have a story similar to crash like it needs to be a lot more high impact than the subtlety that this movie has because people aren't going to watch it but isn't fine they're not going to watch it but what does Crash actually teach you? And again, we're not talking about Crash. I understand that. We're going to talk about Crash. What do high crash. impact movies actually teach you? I yeah. think they're, I feel like those are the directors, like this is directed by Elia Kazan and he it's a it does a wonderful job. But yeah. I think the directors of today kind of don't understand the intelligence of their audiences or they underestimate people. And so they feel like they do have to spoon feed mm-hmm. because one, it's easy to spoon feed people. It's easy to spoon feed. To that's probably what like studios are asking for in terms of what's going to so bring us back the most money. Like think about something like I just watched Men, right? I I don't understand the point entirely, but it's interesting that you and I have different viewpoints on it. Mm-hmm. That is something that was made like was it made independently, but it was, was yeah, it? it's an independent yeah. film. It's an independent film, and like a studio would not put that movie out. They would no, need something more, more direct, like Promising Young Woman. But Promising Young Woman doesn't stick it either, right? Like, Promising Young Woman ends up being a little... It almost doesn't... It's From me, my opinion of Promising Young Woman is that it's not direct enough. I feel like she skirts the things I wanted, that character, to be a lot more volatile. But I think... I think what Promising Young Woman is trying to do is to n- not to show you not everything is so volatile. But I, I there think are different the impact... <laughs> Would have been different. I guess, again, I guess we're just watching yeah. different films. I know this is not a Promising Young Woman podcast, no. <laughs> but 
the idea that she's going to seek revenge like in the way that you wanted her to in the end of that movie is what is what's thought of women for, for from like the beginning of time is like oh a woman's gonna get crazy she's gonna get revenge where it's like no she's gonna be a little bit more calculated and a little bit more manipulative about the situation she's a lot smarter than you think she is but she's actually not Right? She doesn't that, do anything. You don't think she's smart the way she set that up? No, that at the end, absolutely. That's what happens. But I'm talking about the buildup. I'm talking about the initial setup of that film is, again, it's not a promise. Why does she have to be a villain, though? I don't think she has to be a villain. I don't but think she has to be a villain. you're saying that she needs to be doing more things aggressively than what she actually does. I think the effect of Promising Young Woman would have been more effective. I don't think Promising Young Woman is effective. But she was just think falling it's... into the trope of being a vengeful woman. But this is still actually doing that, but not doing that. That's the danger. But not in the like violent way that people expect it to be. She's but like that using violent her intelligence way has... of saying there like, is... I'm going to set you up for being an asshole and I'm just going to walk away from the situation. And now you have to feel bad about yourself without actually having to physically hurt somebody. But I think that's a, I think... I, I, it just feels very false. It feels like you you want to you want to have a great setup as a writer, but you don't want to do the follow through because you're being too precious with your right because you're being too precious with your character. Are you, you a violent person though? I'm not a violent person, but I do think that that the impact of what they're trying to say and what would have inde- like endeared till the end would have made more sense. I feel like promising young woman is a lot of ideas that are like nine out of ten. They're like so close and they're like one rewrite or one swift away from being like complete. And this notion that, you know, you have these, this woman who's trying to teach these good guys a lesson about how to treat women is nice. But walking away and being like, don't do it next time. It's just so like, well, what the hell was that? Like, it just, I just remember watching it and being like, this is not a movie that should have been built on subtlety. Especially because I that ending is not that. I think it's I think it's more effective to not have her result into the way that everybody expects her to. But it's so interesting, Mita, because when we talk about gentlemen's agreement, you have a very different opinion on that. In terms of like subtlety versus not subtlety. I just found the subtlety in this very drab. <laughs> that's what it's, I'm saying. About I'm allowed to have difference of opinion. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying that that's what I found about promising young woman. I found yeah. the subtlety in that to be a little like bland. Yeah. It's so interesting. I just find that interesting (laughs) that like we, here are two films that we're talking about. They're both subtle by one of our person's definition. Actually, by both of our definitions, they are very subtle in their approach to telling a story, but we feel about them very differently. The thing though about Promising (laughs) You're not going to convince me, Mita. Is you have the other aspects, like the design of the film, like what you're actually visually seeing is not as subtle. Like it's still is subtle. It's how she dresses, like the actual cinematography of the movie. It's kind of loud. The music, like taking a Britney Spears song, it's it's louder. And then you see her. Okay. Anyways, you're not (laughs) going to convince me. I'm allowed to have my opinion. I don't want to convince you. I'm just (laughs) expressing how I feel about it. This movie is very. It's it's a. It verges on being ho hum. I think one wrong move and it could go into being like this isn't that great. Did you turn your mic off? No, I was just saying it very quietly. I think the same thing about Promising Young Woman. Okay, fine. 
I think it there just be, uh, yeah. And Gentlemen's I think, agreement, promising young woman. <laughs> same movie. Yeah. I think it is interesting. I think there is something to be said, but then you do have something like Crash in the middle that is, or like on the other spectrum that is very obviously over the top and very mm-hmm. obviously in your face. And I, it just never works for me. I just find the whole thing is like slapping me in the face and slapping me in the face with the same... It's like a dick slapping you in the face, just like back and forth with the same, but with the same thesis. Racism is bad. Don't be racist. Racism is bad. Don't be racist. And what else is it trying to say? And it's such a, it's such an obvious theme. We need a happy medium. I mean, there are happy mediums. There are things like do the right thing, which is a lot more. Yes. In your effective. face, but subtle and effective about yeah. about racism and what that looks like. You have like Black Klansmen. You even have, not that I think it's a good film, but you have something like Green Book, which I think is better than Crash. Yeah, I agree with that. Which is at least trying to tell a story about discrimination and what that looks like in a very, I, I guess Based the goal was... Based on a was, true story. Yeah, and the goal was to be approachable. And I guess it does those things. It might not be a great movie in the end, but it still maybe accomplishes what it sets out to do. I think the timing of... If that movie came out, like, maybe five or six years before... Oh, it would have been huge. It would have been huge, but the timing of it was really poor. I mean, it still didn't win an Academy Award for Best Picture, so I don't (laughs) know if it necessarily... But I think it would have been even... I think we all would have been like, oh, Green Book is so amazing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We really left fielded with this conversation. Well, there you go. I guess, yeah. <laughs> we had already had this conversation. <laughs> and yet here we are. And honestly, in the end, I do quite like what Ilya Kazan does with this. Yes. And I think the thing is, not that it matters, but you should watch other Ilya Kazan movies. And I'm going to say it again because it warrants say it again. Please okay. go watch his A Streetcar Named Desire. Stella. Because yeah. to me, it's when Marlon Brando started to make sense. So in our last conversation, we discovered that this was my first and only Ilya Kazan movie yeah. that I've ever watched. I've only ever heard the name and I know Zoe Kazan. Yeah. <laughs> so, who I really like. I like Zoe Kazan a lot. I I'm think she's excited. also bland. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she's... Ilya's listening. Don't talk about his granddaughter. I know, but Ilya's amazing. Also, we will watch On the Waterfront, which is another Ilya Kazan movie, which we will both have opinions about. But do watch it because he does. He's a very skilled director. And one thing I do take away from these movies is that some of these directors who were directing black and white films... Again, there's a reason their names are so popular. People like Billy Wilder, Mm -hmm. Ilya Kazan... William Wyler, there's a few of them that like keep on sticking out and keep on coming back. And there's a reason for them because they are excellent storytellers. And they're really, there's like, Ilya does have a very distinct way of telling a story. And it's a very soft approach. And they're all making things that are very timeless. Yeah. Yeah. That was the other observation I had last week. about how the last three movies that we watched, this, The Lost Weekend, and The Best Years of Our Lives were movies I had never heard about in my life. All ended up being quite good. Like... Based off the list that we have, we've liked these more than anything else. Anything that we've actually ever heard of before, too. Yeah. Which is just really fascinating to me. It's like, how come this doesn't stand the... It, the movie itself stands the test of time, but in terms of its clout and, and like its, 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 yeah. its function in like pop culture, it's not standing the test of time. Like People don't know what it is at all. No. no. And it's a good question, like, why is that the case? Because these are... All three of these, specifically, are very good films. Mm-hmm. So why... Are Why aren't we not? referencing it like we do Casablanca or Gone with the Wind? I mean, Gone with the Wind is Gone with the Wind. 
Do you think it's like a marketing thing? I think Gone with the Wind is also, I mean, in recent times, that's the notoriety, the infamy rather than the, you know, the thing that's kept it, the movie itself mm-hmm. about its take on the Civil War and slavery and all of that. But Gone with the Wind also has immense presence. And these three films... In color. Yeah. These three, three films, while very good, aren't very... They don't really they don't have, have that stature. They don't have stature. And they don't... Even when you watch them, you know you're watching something stately and nice and well-crafted, but you're not... You don't... I didn't think I was watching classics. It's Tara. <laughs> That's exactly... It's just Tara. It's just Tara. Uh, Mita, do you have anything else to say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Like, I... Not really. <laughs> do you? No, I mean, do you have sequel or prequel ideas? I I wanted to know like what happens after because mm-hmm. this does get tied up neatly in a bow. Kathy and uh, oh, what's Gregory Peck? Philip Schuler Green. Skyler. <laughs> Skyler, sorry. Like the Skyler oh. sisters. Who are the Skyler sisters? From Hamilton. Oh right. Angelica. <laughs> I'm thinking Eliza. Sanderson sisters because it's spooky season. And- and Becky? Angelica Eliza. Eliza. Angelica. Peggy. Eliza. Peggy. Yeah. Skyler and sisters. <laughs> work, work. Angelica. Exactly. <laughs> Continue. Go on. <laughs> Kathy and Philip wind up together really nicely. And I yep. kind of want to see what happens as time progresses too. As Philip becomes Atticus Finch, like mm-hmm. how is she going to handle you know, dealing with black people. How is she going to handle immigrants coming into New York City? I mean, at that point, I guess there are quite a few, but they're still going to come there. (laughs) And I kind of want to see, does she really learn her lesson or do those old tropes for herself actually like come back into play? I would like to see how that happens. I mean, we did talk about, oh, sorry, continue. I did say I also wanted to see like his life before, but now that I thought about it, no, I don't want (laughs) to. It's not as important. Yeah. It's not, no. (laughs) Oh, God, what was I going to say? Angelica. No, what were you saying before? About... Um, how oh, does she handle... about it being tied up with a bow. That's what I yeah. wanted to get to. It is tied up with a bow. However, I think this is one of the few movies that really earns that bow. Mm-hmm. Because she does at least learn. And that's the thing that, you know, brings them back together. Like she does, like you said, she learns a lesson. And then he realizes she learns the lesson. And then that does bring them together. Yes, it's a little clean. And I get what you're saying that like... Prejudices come with consequences. Yeah, exactly. And the bigger lesson would have been like if he was just like, no, I've I've moved on from that. You've shown me your true colors. But I do think at the time that wasn't an option in storytelling. I think like, I I think studios were probably really like, no, this has to have a happy ending. We have not seen a single movie that ends sadly right now. Well, Casablanca in theory does because they don't wind up together. It's still hopeful. You think that friendship is really that beautiful? <laughs> no, he does, but he does the just thing in Casablanca. I mean, yes, the war will end. And That's we know the that, thing. Like, like the basically. whole idea is, is that like he's going to, he he made the sacrifice to go end the war. Yeah. Okay. So fair. that's the that's the thing. But none of these movies of everything we've watched, none of them have an ending that is anything other than like happy, really, that's or nice. at least yeah. like melancholy at the bare minimum. I'm trying to remember the ending of Cimarron. Cimarron. Oh, he dies. I don't know. Simran was really not in Cavalcade. It was also... I guess that's true, actually. Those are two examples of movies that don't have, like, crazy happy endings, but also just... Also so unmemorable, so Mrs. forgettable. Mrs. Miniver is kind of sad, too. Oh, Peggy. <laughs> Peggy? Was that her name? Was that her name? 
What's so the name? actress is Teresa Wright, but I, I don't remember. Peggy. Uh, that would really bring this like... whole conversation full circle. <laughs> so many Peggies. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Miniver. I'm looking at a Carol. Carol. <laughs> Why did I think Peggy? Oh, because she's she... Peggy in the best years of our lives. There you go. Yes. So, yes, full circle-ish. Carol. Carol. Okay, I'm going to go on to my rating. Okay. Mitha knows what it is, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to repeat it for the for our listeners' purposes. I really yeah. like this. I really liked its subtlety. I really liked... I love the storytelling for a movie at that time to tell a story that was so, I think, on the nose is actually really important, especially because I think there were so many Jewish people in Hollywood at the time and the discrimination that they were probably facing on a regular basis and Jewish people in general probably were facing such extreme discrimination. It's kind of the power of film. Like you have a film that's so on the nose about something that's happening that's so on the nose you hope that it's going to affect a change, or at least you're telling a story that honestly. And that's, I think, the biggest takeaway for me now in this second recording is <laughs> that you don't have people calling it out. Are we going to see a movie about violence against Black people during COVID now, two years after Black Lives Matter really kind of hit the fan, right? Even the, even the idea of that feels risky. Like, I'd watch you, it. I'd watch it, but you'd ne- you know it's not getting made. No. You know people are too sensitive. Think about something like 9-11. Like yeah. Years later and people were still upset when a movie was made about it. Exactly. But imagine a movie about 9-11 that talked about Islamophobia at the time. Like we can't even talk about Islamophobia properly right now. And like a lot mm-hmm. of movies about Islamophobia are very niche. They're very small. You don't have George Clooney procla- proclaiming from a mountaintop how bad it is. Or pretending to be, you know what I mean? You just, you don't have this kind of stuff. And that's nice to see at the time that it happened and really disappointing to know that we don't do it now. Because mm-hmm. say what you will about the film, honestly, and I don't I don't mean to be flippant about anyone's opinion. I'm saying whatever your opinion about the film, you got to give him credit for trying to do something. Mm-hmm. For trying to do something earnest and honest and real and trying to tell a story that's earnest and honest and real and really trying to make a change. Like using cinema as a as a purpose, not just to enlighten or entertain or bring us comfort in a time of war or whatever it might be, but really be like, hey man, here's a mirror, take a look. And that's really, that's that's something commendable. I think, and I mentioned this last time, this is the type of film that you should teach in civics classes about racism, about race relations, about what racism really looks like. Because it's obvious, like people calling each other racial slurs or being discriminatory at the mall or whatever it may be. It's so obvious. And I don't mean that, again, to be flippant. I'm just saying that, like, we all know that's how it exists and we all know that's out there. What we don't know is that when you're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner and people are talking about race relations, how are you reacting? Hmm. What are you saying? And again, you might not be racist yourself. You might be like, oh, that's so awful. I don't feel that way. But are you saying that? Are you saying something? Are you trying to change your attitude? Are you trying to do anything? And this movie was trying to show it's your responsibility to do that in 1947. Yeah. And that's really impressive. That at the time it's been saying that, that's still a place to go. And this is a movie I will recommend to a lot of people, actually. And especially in conversations, I have a, one of my best friends, she teaches race relations and she racism and feminism. And I'm going to be like, hey, I think this is something you should actually consider because I think it does, it does some things very well. I think the good that this movie tries to instill and tries to do, it's worth your time and it's worth the energy to see it. 
It also doesn't feel super slow. It is two hours, but I did find that I but found myself legitimately riveted by this because it was interesting. I wanted to see where it was going to go. I wanted to see what would happen. I wanted to see the lessons learned. And it kind of delivered everything it was going to for me. And for all of that, I am giving it. Mita, what am I giving it? You gave it three and a half stars. I'm sticking to that rating. <laughs> there you go. Your turn. My turn. You said earnest, honest, and real. Love the honesty. Love the realness. Not so much for the earnest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the problem is, is I'm a product of my time. And yeah. so I really do want something with that like high impact. Not in the way like of a Marvel movie, but I... Is your head okay? <laughs> what, what, a, what a connection. I don't need a Marvel movie, but I'd like one. I'd li- No, I think you can still have high <laughs> impact without being a Marvel movie. Yeah. Okay? I can't think of any examples right now, but you can. <laughs> um, but you can have, you know, you can have some vim and vigor, just like I'm invigorated today. You can have vim and vigor in a movie without being, like, so subtle. But well, like honestly, Spotlight, for instance. Yes, exactly. There yeah. is vim and vigor there. You, like, you want to get those priests, yeah. you know? Yeah. And in this, I wasn't necessarily saying, like, ooh, I want to, like, catch all the, the anti-Semites. <laughs> yeah. You know? I kind of, I wanted that, like... That feeling of like, yeah, let's get her done. You yeah. fake being a Jew. I kind of just like, okay, this is nice. And I think the large part of it is the casting of Gregory Peck. And we touched on this last week. Elia Kazan and I have very similar um, <laughs> thoughts about yeah. Gregory Peck in this film. Greg? He didn't love it and neither did I. I don't think he was like the right person for this role. I think if he had like a professor role or something, that would be great. But you, I felt, and you had mentioned that um, Clark Gable might be a better yeah. option to like kind of have that sort of roughness towards him. And then even the character in itself, he is a very earnest man. He's a widow. He has a child. Like it just lives things, with his mother. <laughs> yeah. It felt a little bit like sugarcoated in a way, which I can respect because it is a good film. It gets the point across. There are some really lovely supporting characters in this as well. But I think it would have even more of an impact. And I feel like it might have lasted the like the test of time if it mm-hmm. had something a little bit more rugged to it so there is a lot of sweetness but i think there also needs to be some sour in there too especially when you're talking about things like racism and bigotry you kind of need oomph. you can't have it to be so soft all the time yeah. i did really enjoy it though i and like you said i think this is actually really good for students to watch because mm-hmm. of its you know sweetness it's something that you can play in a high school and like not be worried about the effects on like a teenage brain or anything. I think that yeah. they would be able to absorb this and like understand the lesson at the same time. And but I also don't think Elias Kazan set out to make a movie that would be played in high school civics class. But isn't it so nice that it he, can it can be? Yeah, it's nice. But I don't know if like, do you feel like that? I don't know him. And I don't know. Elias like, as a person, I personally we, haven't spoken to him in years. We have a similar mind yes. in terms of. <laughs> Of casting. Casting. But I don't, like, I don't know what his, like, if you had said that about an Alfred Hitchcock movie, I think Alfred Hitchcock would roll over in his grave. Yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what his, you know, true passions were in terms of that. But Mm -hmm. that being said, I did enjoy it, though. Mm -hmm. And I landed with three stars. You did. Out of five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three of them. Trois. Trois. That was the gentleman's (laughs) agreement. Thank you so much for listening to that. And thank you. I hope this actually is a cohesive episode. I won't find out until I edit it. But I think we actually, that 
promising young woman derailed us a little bit, but nicely, I think. Yeah, I had fun. Before we get to the game, I do want to know what you would rate Barbarian. I'm debate. I can't. I haven't landed yet because I okay. literally saw it three less than three hours ago. I finished. Fair enough. It's between three and a half jack o' lanterns and four jack o' lanterns. Yeah. yeah. I actually had given it three and a half. I think I'm going to four. Toward four. Yeah. I kind of want to wait a whole year and see how it and see how it still <laughs> plays out in a year. <laughs> but in this moment. Maybe I'll wait till like February when it's not no. spooky season and I'm no. like... in this moment, what is it feeling? Because it has right, to be how it feels. If right now it's leaning towards four. Okay. Yeah. And you don't have to stick to it because that might change. But that's what I... I felt three and a half and then like as time has gone on, I'm like, no, that was good. I also kind of want to buy it. Yeah, I will, I will buy it when it comes out. Okay, when you buy it, yeah. I'm coming over and we're watching yeah, it absolutely. and then we'll see where we land. I actually think it'll end up being one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. So there's that. There you go. All right, Mita, game. Last recording, yeah. I had you connect Home Alone to Rosemary's Baby. And yes. you, you were not able to do, do it. It. <laughs> it was quite difficult. This is a bit last minute. And so I actually haven't figured this out. But Great. <laughs> I think you'll be able to figure it out. Okay. I'm going to ask you to connect mm-hmm. Home Alone mm-hmm. to another classic horror movie, Psycho. Okay. And your timer starts now. Home Alone stars Joe Pesci, mm-hmm. <laughs> who I'm trying to think how I can get Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. That's the kind of route that That's I the want best one. to go through. Yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, so am I, actually. Yeah, 30 seconds. Oh, gosh. Please stop. That won't work. <laughs> Long-winded wait. <laughs> that was 50 seconds. I don't know. Why can't I think? Don't, okay, wait. I know I could. Oh, 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 o
Hamlet. Hamlet. To be or not to be. We'll find out. Okay. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>